Shmuel, we start in Perikhes. We just spoke in the, in the previous Perikhes, Shmuel's career as the Shepherd, as the leader of Kai Yisrael. And how during the, that tenure of Shmuel as being the Shepherd, the Navi, so Kai Yisrael was at peace. Hashem kept the enemies at bay, they were successful. That's the way it's meant to be when Kai Yisrael keeps the terror. And as always, when in those periods of peace, in those periods of prosperity, the Nach has nothing to tell us. And really the stories are when things went wrong and when guys were punished. But in those periods when everything was the way it was meant to be, so there's nothing to say. And that's why the Nach passed forward to the beginning of Perikhes, to the end of Shmuel's life. And it says, When Shmuel had aged and gotten older, and he was no longer able to keep up his schedule of traveling around every, all the cities that he did every year, Vayasim is one of Shaykh in Israel. So now he appoints his signs of Shaykh in, in his place. Why did Mashiach come then in that generation? Aye, aye, aye. Why did Mashiach come in that generation? It seems like everybody was doing good and shmuel. The, that, that's a good question. That's, uh, when was the first time Mashiach could come? It was too soon. We know the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, that there's 6,000 years that the world's meant to be. Alpayim shan l'tayhu, alpayim shan l'tayra, and alpayim shan yimais ha-mashiach. And therefore the Mashmanus of the Gemara is that yimais ha-mashiach only begin after the alpayim Torah ends. And that's only now. So therefore, there were Adelic times before that too. The time of Yeshua Benun, the Gemara says, Vayav Yisrael as Hashem kol yimai Yeshua. And so there was also an Adelic time of Yisrael. Parts of the reign of David HaMelech and others. Um, so we don't find that the time was right yet uh, for Mashiach to come. Uh, now, that's the simple answer. The Maisa, there's a question on it. A question on that. Because the Gemara has a position, there is an assumption in Mishnah Sanhedrin that there was a possibility of Chizkiyahu the king being the Mashiach. And Chizkiyahu was long before the 2000 years of Torah. And that's the case if we said that Yemosh Mashiach couldn't have begun until, until, until the end of the time of the 2,000 years of Torah until the 2,000 years of Mashiach begin, then how could Chizkiyo have been a Mashiach? Which is a good question. Um, on this side, uh, it could be a the other, the other answer would be that even if there could have been a Mashiach uh, before before the 2,000 years were after, they had to fulfill the conditions of Mashiach, which means they had to be a medicine based of it, which are all the things which had been promised already, Yaakov in the promised and this hasn't happened yet. Shmuel is still in Navi. It hadn't it was before the period of the kings. Right. Okay, so that, whereas Chizkiyahu was a king from the house of God, and therefore he would have fulfilled the requirements that was needed for Mashiach uh, better. Okay, that's one of, the two, one of those two answers. Now, what happens is he puts his, Shmuel puts his two sons to Shaftim. The name of the eldest son is Yael, the name of the youngest son is Avia, and they were Shaftim in Beersheba. His sons didn't follow in his footsteps. They were blinded by bribery. They took, so they took bribes. And because of that, they, they, so to speak, they made mistakes in judgment or they diverted the din from what it was meant to be to the benefit of the people who had bribed him. Now, once again, the Novi comes down very severe. It seems like his sons were corrupt. And it seems like they had been doing everything which Bnei Eli had previously done. I was going to say, it's, it's like the Eli's kids all over again. Exactly. Now, so firstly, 
was meant to, before we get to the Gemara, we saw already that Eli had cursed Shmuel with that. At the beginning, when Shmuel had got his first Nebuah about Eli's family, and we saw that uh, Eli was Shmuel's reluctant to tell Eli what, his, what had happened. So Eli had told him at the time that if you don't tell me, so he said to him, Hashem should do the same to you. And uh, we know that there's a principle that when the Chacham says something, even if it was conditional, but it still gets fulfilled. And therefore, even though any meant his condition of Hashem should do the same to you, if he didn't tell me and Shmuel did tell him, but nevertheless, there was still an, as- an aspect of a threat that which had been made and therefore had significance. And because of that, we find that Shmuel's sons also weren't completely perfect in that area, and therefore they also claim they also blamed for bribery. They also blamed for for distorting the judgment. But they're saying this is because of the curse from Ellen? Which uh, Chazal say was because of uh, any, so to speak, uh, threat which unfortunately was fulfilled. Yeah, but on the other hand, even though that's what it says in the past, look, Chazal don't explain it like that. And as we said many times, Chazal is always the lens through which you meant to understand the stories of the Navi. They, the Ruch Karsham understood uh, when things were meant to be taken literally and when things were the Navi is being uh, maybe very harsh and describing things in a way which is more severe than they really were. And that's what the Gemara says in Shabbos. It says, Kol b'nei Shmuel Chatu is making a mistake. It didn't take rhymes. They didn't uh, do what's described to them. But what it means is, is they didn't live up to the standards of Shmuel. Because Shmuel, we saw, went to the nth degree not to touch anything that wasn't his. And Shmuel uh, went to great extremes to be available to the people to go around and judge them whereas his sons didn't do that his sons set up headquarters in Beersheba and never one of them could come to them so that's already making life easier for themselves at the expense of Kai Yisrael who now had to journey to them and the fact that they weren't as makrid as Shmuel never to touch anything which they wanted to do for them so the, the apostle so to speak sees them in a very severe light and therefore says that they were willing to look to get to gain uh, to take uh, to take advantage of things for their own benefit, even though it doesn't, according to Chazal, mean that they actually went as far as to accept bribery. Shmuel, he wasn't prepared to touch anything which wasn't his. So it was just relative and, to him. And right, and relative to him, they were, they were, which was not also, but they, they didn't have their father's hakpada on not touching what wasn't his. Now, why is it so bad? There's a big principle here. I'm going to tell you a story from the Gemara of Akama first, just to bring out the, where the, the proof, the start of the story is. Uh, but we learn a big principle. The Gemara there talks about somebody whose name was Nechunya Chayfer Shechit. Nechunya, his job was to dig the wells in Yerushalayim. And he was a Tariq, and he saw that the early regal used to come in Yom Tov to Yerushalayim in the tens of thousands, and there wasn't water. So what he did was he dug wells all around Yerushalayim, and that way, during the rainy season, the wells would fill up with water, and now water was a precious commodity. They didn't have pipe water like today. People sold water. It was worth a lot. But Nechunya was acting Hashem Shemaim. So he dug these wells at his personal expense. And then when the Eli Regalim used to come for Pesach, he used to mafkirt, free water. And it was obviously a tremendous help for all the people who came and didn't have water and never needs water. So it was a, it was a big schuss that he was enabling people to uh, come for Yom Tov and get the free water. And the Gemara says that one time his daughter fell into one of his wells. And of course, a little girl falling into a deep well, the chances of survival aren't very good. 
So the Gemara says the people ran to Hanina ben Daisa and they told him the story. So he started to dine for her and after an hour he said she's still okay. So he continued that and after another hour he still said she's okay. And after the third hour of davening he said she's out the well. Which doesn't have to get out of the well. So the people ran back to the well and they saw the girl sitting on the side of the well. They asked her how did she get out the well. So she said I saw an old man was walking past the well like leading a ram and he looked into the well and he saw me and he pulled me out. Which is obviously meant to be something symbolic of Avraham Avinu. And we understand that. Uh, her father had been emulating Avraham Avinu in providing for wayfarers and doing chesed. And if Avraham Avinu sent me Hashemayim to save him. So they came back to Hanina ben Daisa. And the Gemara asked Hanina ben Daisa, how did you know? You went at the well, how did you know that she had come out? Are you a Novi? So he said, no, I'm not a Novi. But there's a principle, and that is that something where a person is matriach himself so much to do. Davish, uh, that that tzaddik was most nefesh to do the mitzvah of providing water for the Godim, it doesn't make sense that that itself would be the source of punishment for his daughter. That his own well, which he dug as a chesed, Kiddush should be the reason why his daughter would die. Okay, fine, that's a beautiful story. But the Gemara carries on. And the Gemara says, in the end, the same person, the Chunyach, Kaifashichin, his son died of thirst. And uh, the Gemara said, what is that meant to teach you? And it says the Gemara to teach you that Kaddish Baruch is medactic with the Tzadikim Kofot Asar. Now that seems to be a steer. On the one hand, you say that something which a person was most nefesh on, he and his children won't be punished in that area. And on the other hand, you say his son got punished because Hashem is medactic on the Tzadikim. So what does the Gemara mean? Why was his son punished by dying of thirst when there was something he was so careful to make sure people wouldn't be thirsty, that he'd give them free water? And why is it considered by the Tzadik Mishnah's B'daytik Echot HaSair? So the Yisrael is like this. And that is that for most people, the Hashem is an expectation of them to, to act by Alpida Torah to a certain standard, what's normal for that's it, that, place, that place, that people, that time. By Sha'an Kain, when somebody grew up in a family where there was a certain Hakpodim and a certain Mitzvah, that family was super careful about that in It was like, you know, their personal, their family uh, stringency, something they were very machbed about. And if that's the case, it becomes more of a chiyuv of children in that family to take on that, to, take, to keep up that, that tradition. If you're part of a family which is very careful about a certain area of halacha, so imagine that's more of a machayah for me to follow in the footsteps of my father, my ancestors, and keep up that same machpad. And that's why when you saw he went he was uh, someone who was most nefesh to dig wells for the God. His son we don't find carried on the same idea. And if that's the case, there was a certain Hakpada in his son that wasn't on the regular person. Hashem is not expecting most people to be well diggers. But on the son of the you grew up in a home where this was the mitzvah your father was always involved in. If that's the case, there's a much bigger khiv on you to do the same. And that's what means Hashem is productive with Tzadikim much more. Because if you, as a Tzadik, you're meant to keep up to a certain level. Especially if your father was, that was his, his mitzvah, his, his chiyuv, so to speak. And if he didn't, so then he was punished by that. Because then it shows that you fell short in the area where you were meant to be more careful. So the Tzadik in the, the Mimer is not Nechunya, it's his Right. And if that's the case, so by his daughter, so you don't expect her to do anything. So of course, Hashem wouldn't punish a Tzadik from the area he was careful. But his son is much, was much older at that stage. And then there is a time on him. If you don't keep up your father's uh, 
your father's level or your father's, uh, uh, you know, when he was most nefesh for, so it becomes more of a tain on you. So tzaddik doesn't mean that tzaddik, just in that, in that specific area. Right, that's okay. And that you say, there's something that you used to explain here also. And that is, for someone to set up a court and be available to judge Jews was what Shreftim had been doing the whole way through the Shreftim. And we find the fact that they had taken favors from people wasn't awesome. The Gemara says if a person wants to take you know, favors from people, as long as he's not judging those people right now, like Elisha, you're allowed to take bats. You're the sons of Shmuel. And this was Shmuel's strong point. This was Shmuel's like father. Shmuel didn't do that. And if that's the case, there's more of a time on his sons that you're not living up to your father's standards. And therefore, for somebody else, it could be that they wouldn't have been punished, but they wouldn't have been, uh, so to speak, castigated in the Nakh for doing something wrong. But as the sons of Shmuel, it was wrong. They didn't go in Shmuel's way. And that was a time on them. As sons of Shmuel, you should have followed in your father's footsteps, which means the great father is a big liability. Because that's Mechaev, the children, to live up to the same standard. Because of the exposure that they had growing up? Because of the chinuch they had and the exposure that they had, and that's what's expected of them. You should continue in the same way. And if they don't, and that's more of a time on them than on other people who wouldn't have had that same opportunity or that same expectation. And we find the Gemara that Right. So why isn't the time of him that he didn't do 24 hours? Maybe it is. But why he didn't do it, it's famous for Chaim Shrevet. That he didn't feel it on the level to. Maybe the time level was a time. If you your father did, that's an expectation. That's why he called himself Chalab Bar Chamra. I felt I've fallen short of my father's level. He, he, he tried, though, because his father waited 24 hours. He waited uh, six. He waited six hours. Okay. Over here, they didn't even go around to the next town, even. They just stayed in Bashan. Okay. So how far we take it? It's a good question. But uh, the Hakpada the, here, I mean, the Nakuda, the Hakpada, the Nakhya was, they weren't like Shmuel was. And this is an important thing to talk about because we don't know who the second son of Shmuel Abiyah was. But the first one of Shmuel was Yael, Chazal Taras Namidrash, that was Yael the Novi. One of the Trayasa, his name is Yael. And uh, we don't know when Yael lived. The story of Yael is just a story which we told in the middle of the Trayasa, the story of, of, of Yael's Nabur. It doesn't give us any reference or any context of who Yael was or when Yael lived. The Chazal and the Midrash Tehidim says that that was the son of Shmuel. Even though it's called the Yael ben Petuel, but it says why Shmuel's nickname was Petuel. And we're talking about the son of Shmuel. So we're talking about a Novi. We're not talking about a Rosh. We're talking about a Novi. And we're talking about someone who saved Klai Yisrael in his, in, as the story of the Novi says, that it's, uh, in his uh, lifetime there was a tremendous drought. And Yael's Nebuah was to help Klai Yisrael uh, overcome the famine, the drought, and be saved. And therefore, we don't mean to look at him as a Russia. We're talking about the Tzadik. We're talking about somebody who's a, who was a Navi in his own right. And if we have to understand that the time that the Nach has in him was, in comparison to Shmuel, he wasn't doing the same. So that's the story of Shmuel's sons. But nevertheless, the result of that was, is Kaishal felt let down. They had gotten used to Shmuel's style of leadership, and his sons were acting the same way. Klai Yisrael felt that Kiros wasn't the, the same mysterious nefesh on their behalf that Shmuel had had. And therefore they come to complain. That's what you see in Pasuk Tarot that says, All those Zikni Yisrael gathered and they came to Shmuel in his hometown of Ramah. And it's interesting that it's the Zikni Yisrael who came. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he complains to Klai Yisrael about the, when they came to ask to send spies, so Moshe's time in Klai Yisrael was, 
It's just like a pandemonium. Everybody comes pouring in, like waving placards. We want spies, whatever it was. That's not the way you come to ask for something. If, it's a, if you want something, so you have leaders, and the leaders should come and present the case respectfully. It's not like a mass demonstration. And as, uh, there was a time on Gladys that when you wanted something, why was it such an outpouring of public opinion? You have this kind of send them. And therefore, it's important to indicate is here Gladys did it right. It wasn't a, a major demonstration at Shmuel's home. The Skanim were the ones who came, and they were the ones who presented the question to Shmuel. And therefore, even though Shmuel wasn't happy with what they wanted from him, like you're going to see, but from, from Kaisal's point of view, at least what they wanted was done in the right way. They sent this Skanim to ask him behalf. And what did this Skanim say? You've got an old. And obviously, what they meant to say about that was if you could have been like you were before, then you would have had no complaints. That was perfect. But Lamai said it's not the same anymore. Not, you aren't able to do what you did before. And your sons aren't living the same way you did, and therefore, we don't feel that that's the leadership we want. What do we want instead? And therefore, what they ask for is um, point a king for us. And the king should judge us like all the other nations of kings. So we want the king to judge us as well. Okay, so that was the request. And Shmuel's response, Shmuel was very disappointed. Heard him about what they said. The fact that they said, give us a king to judge us. And if Shmuel didn't want to answer them, instead Shmuel turns to Hashem. What was wrong with what they asked for? What was wrong with what they asked for? Um, now, we can look at the Pesukim here and try to diagram from the Pesukim here what the, what the problem was with what they wanted and why Shmuel was upset about it. But we also have to look uh, in a bit of a bit of a wider perspective of Tanakh to try and understand what they did wrong. So if you look at the Pasuk itself, there could be a number of points of we could point we could like maybe underline, circle as the, the issue which we took had took with what they said. First they took at the Pasuk where it, where it explains it to us. It says it was bad in Shmuel's eyes that they said, It's not the Give us a king to judge us. And therefore, the, the words that the Navi repeats as being what Shmuel disliked was the fact that they said, Give us a king to judge us. In other words, he wasn't upset about the fact that they wanted a king, but he wanted a king to judge them. In other words, until now, Shmuel had judged them, or his sons had judged them. Now, they weren't happy being judged by Shmuel or by his sons. They wanted the king to be the one to judge them instead. And that, that, that Shmuel didn't like. That's the Mashmuel's of the Pasuk Pahas. That Shmuel didn't like the fact that the king was going to judge them. Even though in the Chayra, that's the function of a king. Part of the, uh, the function of the king is to establish a, a system of, uh, a judicial system. And now we have to ask a question. First, uh, before the question, that was what's Mashmuel from the Pasuk Pahas, what Shmuel didn't like. There could be another option too. Because when you look now in the Pasuk before that, when Kais shall make the request, so what they said was, Atah similar to Melech, the judge us like all the guy. And therefore, it could be that, that even though it's not born in the second Pasuk, but what was the emphasis? If they just said, give us a king to judge us, you know, we, we want a, a king is going to be the judge, then that might have been enough. What did they, what did they add to that by asking that you want to emulate all the guy? That we need to be like them. They have kings to judge, and we also want the king to judge us. Why are we looking to the game for direction or for something to emulate? 
And, and even though, it's, like it says, it doesn't say in the second was that's what Shmuel was upset about, but there was definitely a question to ask on them, right? Why did they use Lashon Kaim? Except, if you now look at the Torah, and when the Torah talks about the instruction to make a king, so it uses that Lashon as well. Um, when the Torah is talking about the dinner making a king, reading from the Pasuk and Pasha Shoftim, and it says, I want to make a king like all the nations around me. So we see this idea of already appears in the Torah. That uh, when the, the request for a king is going to be a king like all the Goyim. No, except what's indicative in the Torah is, but doesn't say the Shaftani. It just says, I want to make a king like all the nations. And then the Torah says, how you make a Jewish king? That's, that's, before, the, that's before the mitzvah, before the... So when the Torah explains what the request of the people is, the way to ask is to make a king. But it doesn't say make a king to Shoftein. It doesn't say they make a king to judge them. And now we'll get to another question. And that is, was the king meant to be the judge? Was the king meant to be the judge? Because the the way the Torah sets up the system, the judges are the Sanhedrin. The judge is the Sanhedrin, and uh, okay, it might not be applying to Malchus Beis David, but there's a din. The king isn't meant to be a, just, a judge. The king is meant to be the executive head of state, uh, the, the, but the, the, the judiciary of the state is the Sanhedrin. And if that's the case, um, even though there were times when kings were judges, notably David Melech and Shleim Melech, but after that, there was a division of duties. There was the Sanhedrin, and there was the king, and there were two separate bodies. And that's the case. So did the Torah foresee a situation where the king was meant to also be the judge? Or did it meant to, was it not meant to be that the king was the judge? The king was the king, the judge was the judge. They're meant to be two different, different uh, spheres of influence altogether. And, and like I said, why it's a question is because we find David Melech was the judge. Shlomo Melech was the judge. They were the, the, all the cases came to them. So were they doing wrong? Was that not what Hashem's plan originally was? So that's an important point we have to talk about. But they were but, the post Ecuador. Wasn't Shlomo and David? Shlomo was definitely the greatest in his Dawid Chachman. Hashem gave him a special gift in that. But David and Melech, the Mashmaster Gemara, he wasn't the post Ecuador. Mm-hmm. Didn't he, he defer to Nasser and Exactly, there were people who were greater than him. It says his era, Hayiri, his Rebbe was greater than him. According to another Chazam, Fibosheth was greater than him in Torah. There are a number of Gemaras who talk about people who David considered to be superior to him in Torah. And we don't have to go further than Achitaifa, which David Melech says himself that he's much greater than me. Either way around, so Lav Dafka was David considered the was David considered the um, the the, the because he was the greatest Tamil Chacham, but because as a king he took that position. It's interesting. Maybe Shlomo was the biggest Chacham. That's what the Pasuk says about him. But he had an abased He had an abased as Ben Yabin Yada. The Pasuk tells us clearly, Ben Yabin Yada is the Rosh of the Sanhedrin. Except the Shlomo judged the cases himself. So here also we have the question was that was meant to be? And uh, at the later stage, the reason why the Sanhedrin became separate from the king was because the kings weren't on the level anymore to be the greatest Tamil Chacham. So they, made a, they had to defer to others who were greater than them. Was it not what it was meant to be? And then we have to explain what David and Shlomo did it, but what it was meant to be was, was that the king was meant to be in the capacity of ruling the people, and instead it was something else. And it's an interesting thing, because even then, by David and Melech himself, we find there was a division of duties. For example, the Gemara says in the Gemara, 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 in the G
that when Kaisal wanted to wage a battle, so they came to David and said he wanted to go to war. So David, if David allowed him, to, gave the royal approval to go to war, and had to be Nimlech Sanhedrin. The next step was to ask the Sanhedrin, ask the Rebbetomim, whatever it was, but a step in the process was the Sanhedrin had to agree to it as well. So we see that there was a function for the Sanhedrin alongside the king too. And if that's the case, we have to explain why the Kaisal asked for a king the Shaftainu. And like we saw, that's what Shmuel didn't want. He didn't like about it. And they asked for a king the Shaftainu because that's not what the Torah says. Like it's pointed out, the Torah said they wanted a king. And the king primarily is to, as, to lead, maybe, or to organize Klai Yisrael, but not necessarily to judge them. And that was uh, what Shmuel didn't like about it. So why are they asking for a king to judge them? Uh, and tomorrow we'll explain what exactly was the problem with asking for a king to judge them that, uh, that, uh, that Shmuel took objection to. Now we're going to see. And uh, that's the one point. And the second point was, uh, what was the function of the Navi? In other words, again, Shmuel also combines two functions. On the one hand, he was the Navi, on the other hand, he was the Shofet. After that, we found the division of responsibilities. The Navi was Hashem's messenger to give messages to Israel to the king. The Shofet was somebody else. He was the Dain who judged the cases. But uh, a Navi and the Shofet aren't working the same way. A person doesn't judge the Alachas for Nevo, as we know, David Shemayim, the person has to judge Allah through knowing Allah. And therefore, Shmuel was able to do both. He was able to be a Navi on the one hand and a Shafat on the other hand. But after we don't find that again. We don't find that a Navi had both roles. The Navi we know about later on. Nasan or God or Leo or Elisha, whoever it was, they weren't Shafatim. They were Navi. Then it became a division between Shafat and Navi. After we find Bashmul and Navi, he was someone who was able to combine both. On one hand, the Navi, and at the same time, he was the Shafat. And uh, what does Shmuel foresee is happening? You know, as had Kaisal not asked for a king, what, what, what did Shmuel think the next step was going to be? So that's another thing we'll see later on, what Shmuel says to Hashem, um, what, what each one thought and what the justification, what they asked for was.